going to take the next three weeks. I have, uh, when we first came together, we read a book by Watchman Nee, and it gave me uh, amazing to read his thoughts and perspective because it gave me so many new views. So I, I, I went back and I, I, there was a book that caught my eye and I didn't realize it was this small. <laughs> but I'm going to teach on this little book for the next three weeks. The book is called Sit, Walk, and Stand. And basically the, it is a, uh, it's a discipleship book. You know, something you would first get when you first give your life over to the Lord and realize who He is and who you are with Him. And sometimes it's good to remember that. Because walking with Him applies to so many different areas in our life and so many different things. And we get distracted by things that happen in our lives, our personal lives, our, our church lives, our business lives. And I thought it would be good to go over these three areas. So tonight I'm going to talk about sit. But first I want to, I want to review the, the two trees that were in the garden. The tree of life, who is Christ, who is our rest, who is everything we need to eat from, and the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge. The tree of knowledge, uh, trouble is, uh, we have spent so much time there in our lives, sitting at the base of that tree, eating from the fruit and gnawing on the bark and the, the roots. It has become very common for us to sit there. And we, sometimes we don't even realize we're sitting there. And I hope the Lord opens your eyes that you would start realizing how many times in different situations in your life that's where exactly you're beginning from, where you're starting from, where you're getting your information from. Because we spend most of our lives sitting there. It's, it's just become an old, deadly habit instead of sitting at the tree of life, sitting in the Sabbath rest with the Lord. Where Adam started off, where everything was provided for him, he had everything he needed. God had finished working his creation and then created Adam, and Adam's first full day was in the rest of the Lord. And that's where we need to start. See, the tree of good and evil to the world, we make a decision and, and, we, and we go off and what we reason in our own minds what is good and, and the right thing to do. And then there's the evil part, and it's like a two-lane highway. And we, and we take that highway and it doesn't matter if you're doing what you think is good or what the world says is evil and you think is evil or whatever, they're parallel. They're going to the same place. They're going to come to the same end. One's self-righteousness and one's just despicable sin. 
But you know, self-righteousness to the Lord is the same as the despicable sin. So the world likes to uh, sound right. And it's amazing how right the world thinks they are right now in all they're saying and doing. But like I said, we start most of our walks, most of our decisions, when a circumstance comes up, the first thing we do is we go to the tree of good and evil and we start to eat there. And what's really strange about that is a place where we start is we feel very comfortable there. We feel very comfortable in our own pondering, in our own thoughts, in the way we do things. But I don't think that's the way the Father wants us to start things, to sit at the tree of good and evil and make a decision and walk it out and, and do our own way. I'm going to read from Ephesians and one of the things that I've been really thinking about this week is in the, in the book of Ephesians, I'll be in basically the first two chapters, and I thought about reading them all to you, but that's not for me to do. That's for you to do. And the Lord told me a lot of times, we, we've all had the experience where we go, gee, I never saw that before. Well, you know, a lot of times we see the words, but we don't read the words. We don't take the words in that the Lord has, has put into his scripture for us. And we kind of make it a contest to read my three chapters this day and three chapters tomorrow. And, and we don't take in what the Lord is saying. We take it for granted. It's sort of like, when somebody comes up to you and says, I love you, you go, yeah, I love you too. That's the way we treat the Lord. Because when we, when we read his word and we skip over the deep meaning he has for us, or he's saying, I love you, and you give him that, I love you too, yeah. And you only say it because he said it to you first. So I guess on my little rabbit trail here, I'm, I'm saying take time and read the words. See, in, in the time of worship, he said, I love you. And we said, I love you back. You didn't brush it off. You got to see him for who he is. And whether it's in worship or just reading the word or meditating or doing your job or going about your life or being with friends, he's always saying, I love you. I tell you, you can't skip over what he's saying to you. Well, there's another rabbit trail. Ephesians 1. I'm just going to read 17 through 21. But I tell you, you need to read all of this. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart 
may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope for which you are called, that he has called you in riches and his glorious inheritance of the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all authorities, all all rule, all authorities, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Those are those are some scriptures that we have we have learned, wrote, and and we have really come to a point of we skip over them and we read them. But what do they say? That God is a great power that took His Son and raised Him into the heavenly realms by His great power. And Paul is saying, I want you to understand this. It's it's the, like His mighty strength that He put in Christ and and raised him from the dead and seated him in the heavenly realms. And I sat and thought about the heavenly realms. See, Christ is seated far above the cosmos, above everything the Hubble telescope could ever see. Wouldn't it be amazing if the Hubble telescope just once caught caught a glimpse of the... But it never will. Because it's far above everything we can ever imagine. There is, there is no authority, there is no power, there is nothing set above Christ. And the Father put him there. Above all authority, power, from the beginning all the way to the end. There is nothing else there but him. Because of his great love for his son and the power that he gave him and put into him and raised him to that place to rule over everything. Ephesians 2, 6 through 9. A long time ago, I, between these two verses, they cut in my Bible, they come side by side down the columns and I drew an arrow pointing to both of them. I guess God knew one day I would talk about this. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed to his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. See that place where God had put his son Jesus, we are also included into that place. We are far above all authorities and powers. There is nothing that can touch us. We have been given the same thing. But it's amazing, that's the first thing God does. He sits us down in authority in his presence. That is your realm where you are to be. But I know like so many times, when you first become a Christian, what is the first thing you want to do? What's the first thing you say? Jesus, what can I do for you? Do you want me to go to Africa and be a missionary? Do you want me to go to India? Do you want me to feed the hungry on the street? Do you want me to 
become a pastor and go to seminary and learn or dislearn everything you just showed me. What do you want me to do? I'm ready, ready to do it. First thing he tells you to do is sit. Sit with me. Sit with me in my heavenly realm. See, we think being a Christian is being the big I've got to do. But if everything has been given to Christ and given to us in the heavenly realms, Christianity is the big it is done. It is finished. It is complete. I've done all things. Remember Adam was, first full day was in the garden and everything was complete. There wasn't anything else to do. Adam fell. Didn't surprise God. Jesus came and said, no, it is finished. It is finished. It is complete. It is done. Everything is done. There is no big to do for you to do. You can try to do all you want to do, but it will get you nowhere further with the Father other than to make him sad. And don't misunderstand me. You know, God has us for a reason. But if you think being a Christian is, I have to go do this for Christ, it is all done. It is all complete. You are saved. You are secure. You are sanctified. You are healed. Like the song said, it is done. So Christianity is the big done. And the thing is that God has no limit to his grace. I tried to, it made me think, I don't know how many of you have watched the uh, Lord of the Rings movies, but the last ones was The Desolation of Schmog, which was the great dragon, and he lived in this mountain. And they showed a picture of, you know, when they went into the mountain, and it was, it was, it was this huge mountain hollowed out, and it was filled with gold and jewels and everything. And the story is about how the, the three armies fight over this. But see, that's, that is just like a little piece of what our Father has. There is no limit to what he has. Not in, just in gold and jewels and diamonds, but in grace and mercy and love. And extending you his, his power and his, his loving kindness because, see, it doesn't matter what you do. It matters who he is. And the first thing you have to learn to do is to do nothing. Do nothing but sit in his presence. You've all heard this come and sit down and take a load off. We do that because we're tired. We've been carrying a heavy burden. You know, some days when I work, I walk six miles Typically every day is at least three. There are days I've just I need to just sit down. But the Father comes and says and sit. You're seated in my heavenly realm. Come and sit and look at all that I've already done for you. I will take your burden. That is where you pour your burden out on him. 
You pour your needs out to him. You, you pour your heart out to him, your, your hurts and your, everything that you have. And the thing is, you don't pick them back up because they're for Jesus to bear. He is the one that bears those for us. We come and sit in his presence and enjoy who he is. See, it's really strange because God works for us. We don't work for him. Think about it. God works for us. We don't work for him. We're not hired servants. We're sons. We've been adopted into, into his kingdom. See, when you, when you sit there in the heavenly realms and you, and you look at all he's done and, and you look down through the cosmos and, and you can look through the, from the very beginning where God first knew us. And you, you look and you see all that he has done for you. But if you don't sit and listen to his voice and listen to him talk to you about his great love for you, you will go out and do. And going out and doing is eating from the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge. It may look really good to everybody around you. And you may even come to an end that makes everybody happy. But eventually that will fail. That will be burned up. It will be, it will be the stubble that is burned in the end. See, God is willing to give us everything. When Patty and I started going to church in and, and a, and a Methodist church and then found out about Ooh, there's a Holy Spirit. And started hearing teachings about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and all that. And you've all heard stories, and I don't know how many of you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I know you're all sealed with the Spirit because that is His promise, that is His down payment to you of your inheritance because you are sons and daughters of the King. So you are already sealed with the Spirit. But being baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is big to some denominations. Even to the point where they have little meetings where they pull you all together and, okay, now, this is what we're going to do. If, 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 you, if you want the Holy Spirit, come up front and tarry and wait. Cry and beg. And maybe if you're lucky, he'll pour his spirit on on you. In the old days, there used to be what they called tarrying meetings, where you'd sit there and you'd moan, and people would go, now just say, blah, 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 and eventually you'll get the spirit. You know it's true. You chuckle because you know it's true. But it's his good pleasure to give you the Spirit. You didn't get the Holy Spirit any more than you did something to earn your salvation. It is by grace you have been saved and not in yourself. It is, it is a gift. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift. But we've made it a work. 
and only a select few really have the full baptism. Not. Now the thing is, you, uh, you wonder, but how do I get there? How, how, do, how do I get this and walk in this Jesus life? How do I get that to flow through me? This is something you've all heard before. People ask you, well, how do I, how, how do, I do this? You sit. You sit in his presence. And I don't know how many of you have ever seen this example, but I know Patty will remember it. See? A glove. This is God. This is Christ. This is you. This is how you get it. You have been hidden in Christ. Nobody can see you anymore. You went through his crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his resurrection because you were in here. You were in him. That's why you get all this stuff. It's not something that you do out here to say, how do I get in here? He says, just trust me. You're in me. I'm in you. And there is nothing that the world can do to take that away. See, you, you don't see my hand, but you know my hand's in there. You don't see Christ in me. You don't see God dwelling in my spirit, but you know he's in there. You don't see him in you with your natural eyes, but you know he's in there. So you get all this by sitting in his presence. That is where he has put you to start everything, to sit. See, the trouble is when, when we don't go into his presence and we don't sit and we start eating from the tree of good and evil, we try to work things out on our own. And I know before I, I've shared this story, but one of the times when I was unemployed, I, I had told the, the Lord, you know, well, you know, why, why haven't I had a job? It's been, it was about seven months, I think, on this time, or eight months, nine months, who knows. I was out of unemployment. Yes, we had, uh, we had four kids and had a mortgage and everything else, and, and I kept... Okay, I, what can I do? What can I, I was using all my tree of knowledge. I was barking up the wrong tree. And finally, I, I got to the point where I give up. And then the job came. And I, I, I actually asked God, I said, what took so long? And he says, you were handling it. You had to cease your doing so I could take over and I could do it for you. It was always there. I had to go from the tree of barking up the tree of good and evil and knowledge and my own self-will and whatever you want to call it and move back to the other tree. Say, Jesus, I am nothing without you. I'm going to hide myself in the glove. I'm going to let you take care of me. I'm going to let you be mine. 
He says, okay, here you go. And it was, it, and it was, it was scary. It was so quick. I won't go into more detail on that, but that that is that is how it worked. So, how do you please the Father? How do you please the Father without? If you want, if you wanted to please me, you would come and you would try to do something for me. You know, my wife would try to bake something for me. The humor of that just went over everybody. <laughs> but if I wanted to please her, I would go buy her jewelry or do something like that. Or if I wanted to please Terry, I would say, yeah, I'll preach a few messages for you. You know, I, I, would, I, would, I would do those things out of my own doing. But you know, that offends the Father when you do things for him. See, his riches are far beyond anything you could ever see, anything you can ever imagine. They don't run out. The tap of water is never turned off. It flows as a river from his throne and from in you it flows. But how do you please him? How do you, how do you make the Father happy? We know it's not in doing. And it comes from sitting. It really tells the story in the story of the prodigal son. Let's turn to Luke 15.32. Now you know the story, and this is at the end of the story, where the father is talking to the son who hadn't left. He says, but we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother of yours was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he was found. See, there was joy in the father that the son had come back. We'll talk about the son that took off. You all know what he did. He took his inheritance. He took everything he was owned to him, and he took it, and he spent it in riotous living. He partied. He spent everything he had and ended up eating with the pigs, which also you probably know in Jewish culture, eating with the pigs isn't exactly what you're supposed to do. But when he came back, and the father was looking for him, Here's what the father, the good father did. He ran to him and hugged him and loved him. He didn't mention how much he had blown. He didn't mention how much he had hurt him. He didn't tell him how he had hurt the family and embarrassed everyone in his family. He ran and gave him more. He wants to give you more. Don't run. Come back to him. Sit with him. And he will give you more upon more upon more. See, as opposed to the, only, the other son, the older son was the one that brought grief to the father. See, he, he tells the elder son 
In verse 28 of chapter 15 of Luke, the older son became angry and refused to go in to the younger son's party. And so the father went out and pleaded with him. And he answered the father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. That's his own self-righteousness. That didn't make the father happy. It didn't earn him anything more. Because the father had so much to pour out, he could just keep pouring and pouring and pouring. And he says, yet you never gave me even the young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes and comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. He says, my son, the father said, you have always been with me and everything I have is yours. See, the son who thought he was doing was doing wrong. The father still loved him, but it didn't earn him any more position. Because, see, everything he already had was already his. The son had this idea of, I had to earn it. I have to do something. But when you seek to do something, you put yourself under the law. That's where you put yourself. You put yourself under the law and not under grace. And all the Father says is come and sit. That's where Jesus went first. That's where we went first. It's historical fact. Reckon it as so. It's in the book. And that is your position. To first sit and not to do. Sit with him and listen to him. Because all the riches in heaven and earth are yours. Everything he has always had has always been yours. And no matter how hard you work for it, you're not going to get any more because... It's all yours. It's all yours. So where do you go first? You go to the Father and you sit. But that's not where we stay. Because next week we're going to talk about going to walk with you. So Selah Learn to sit with the Father. And let your mind come to the understanding and your spirit come to the understanding how great his love and gifts and everything he has for you. That you may know the depth of his love for you. Amen.